0: All right, so we are joined here today by Richard Einhorn. Richard, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. Um, Basically, um, I have um, two roles uh, that I play in. in in the world one is that i'm a composer and a former record producer and recording engineer i write music and my music gets played all over the world the other thing um, that i do and the reason why i'm here is that i'm a both a consultant and an advocate for better hearing loss uh, technology i in 2010 um, i experienced a very devastating Uh, sensory neural hearing loss. I had pre-existing otosclerosis, and then in 2010, I lost the use of my right ear from sudden sensory neural hearing loss, and um, as a result, I literally plunged overnight into the world of hearing health technology. Because of my background in audio technology, I've owned a recording studio since I was about 15 or 16, and I've had one throughout my life. I had one in my dorm room. I had one um, in all my apartments and I'm sitting in one right now. Um, I, um, uh, Because of this background, I realized that although hearing aids were doing doing me a world of good in many situations, in certain situations, I realized that there was technology that hearing aids weren't using that I could use. And I started to play around with various solutions and started to get um, um, more and more interested in in the world of hearing health technology. And I started to tell people about the solutions that I was coming up to help me hear better. They told other people. And then in 2014, I formed a consulting business. And that's basically uh, one of the main things that I've been doing ever since.
0: Now, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And, you know, the reason I wanted to bring you on, um, you know, sort of as a testament to uh, you know, what I love so much about this podcast is that, um, as it's grown, I've been fortunate to, um, sort of create, you know, a network and, um, you know, when the news broke, uh, what we're going to talk about today, um, you know, the news around the Qualcomm and the Jocote partnership, um, I had been tweeting about it, um, was really, really excited. And lo and behold, um, Sherry Eberts, who has been on the podcast before, um, she sends me an email and she says, You know, hey Dave, I saw you tweeting about this and you might be interested in speaking with my friend Richard Einhorn. So gave me some background on you. And I was like, Yeah, that sounds amazing. I would love to have Richard come on um, because it sounds like you've worked pretty closely with Jacody. You've had a relationship with them since about 2014. So just to give a little bit of context here for those that aren't aware of the news, um, you know, or I, I think it was about last week, uh, Qualcomm announced that they are embarking on a new partnership with Jacody. Um, So Qualcomm being one of the lead suppliers for the computer chips that power most in the ear devices. Um, I just had Nick Hunt on last week where we talked about how there's really two suppliers. There's Broadcom and there's Qualcomm, you know, for the vast majority of chips. And so, their flagship chip the qcc 5100 um, which is again finding its way into more and more of these hearable devices um, it's actually now going to have the ability to for oems uh, to more or less enable um technology into it so uh, you almost are going to kind of see this standardization i think of a level of you know, hearing augmentation um, for a lot of these in-the-ear devices. They're not going to have to create it from scratch. They'll be able to kind of use the out-of-the-box solution that Qualcomm has been building with Jacody. So why don't we just kick things off by going back for you, Richard, um, you know, in terms of the relationship with Jacody, can you just speak to how you got to know them and some of the work that you've done, you know, dating back to 2014 and then how things have progressed all the way up to this partnership in 2020.
1: Sure. I'm happy to. Um, a friend of mine um, uh, in, uh, in the hearing loss world um, lived lives in Silicon Valley, and he had seen a demonstration by a fellow named Jacques Kinsbergen of some very, very interesting um, iOS apps that uh, basically... Uh, put a, an audio, audiologically valid uh, pure tone average hearing test in 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 into the app, and also a um, an another app that used the audiogram that was generated by the hearing test as the basis for an an audiological fitting, an audiological level fit uh, level fitting, and so um, he said my friend said would you like to meet this guy because i know that you're interested in in um working you know in work in solutions consumer solutions for um, hearing health, and he knew that I had done a lot of hacks with the iPhone in order to get it to work in restaurants where I had, uh, you know, an unbelievable amount of of, um, difficulty hearing. So I said, sure, please put me in touch. So Jacques, um, Jacques, it turns out, lives in in Antwerp, Belgium, and he and I um, arranged to have a meeting. And I'd say that like within five minutes or so, we knew immediately that we were on exactly exactly the same wavelength both awesome. of us believed that that um, that a lot of consumer mobile devices smartphones um, earphones earbuds headphones um, m- microphones that consumers could get all of these things could be leveraged to vastly improve um, hearing health uh, technology and people's access with it. And so we started to talk and the more we talked, the more we realized that we might have some kind of um, business relationship together. Jacques flew me over to Europe where I met the entire company. I immediately just loved everybody. I loved the energy. And we were talking again, exactly the same language in terms of the consumerization of hearing health. And so uh, we agreed to um, work together that, um, that I would be hired as a consultant for them. And I would say that with almost without exception since 2014. Nearly every week, um, I've done at least some work for, for the company.
0: That's awesome. Okay, yeah. so 2014, you sort of, you know, you identify this awesome, you know, group of people that are thinking along the same lines as you. So you mentioned, you know, the this thought that you had around the consumerization of hearing health. Mm-hmm. What, what were these conversations like that were so... Um, sort of prolific in your mind, where you said, "Wow, these people are on the same wavelength as me." I mean, what what was it in your mind back then that that you felt was lacking in the market that could be created?
1: That's a great question. My my feeling and I I I want to preface my opinions here, saying that they are my opinions. I'm not an audiologist, but I have immense respect for audio, for audiologists and their trainings. I have in my on my shelves several audiology textbooks and I've tried to read them and they're amazing and wonderful. But um I, I want to preface with those, but I want to want to say that I believe Um, From the beginning, when I fell into this world, um, I felt that a lot of the technology that we were using in professional audio and that was also available at the consumer level was not being properly leveraged to help people hear better. Um, A perfect example is um, a smartphone smartphone. Particularly in, in when I began, it was it was the iPhone. But now um, Android phones have caught up to the iPhone in terms of audio capability. But a smartphone has really, really, really good um, uh, audio specifications, and so do the um, the typical headphones and earbuds that came with it. And it also has a pretty good microphone. And what you have in your hands if it's leveraged properly could be an excellent portable amplifier that could be used uh that could be used there what you also have in start inside of a inside of a smartphone is um is the 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 possibility for um, advanced digital digital audio signal processing. Um, the, um, as a matter of fact, in my business, which is music, and I do a lot with computer music and electronic music, um, you can do. Um, you have all the things that you need in order it, in in order to do a lot of very very sophisticated signal processing just literally in your pocket. So um, why isn't this being utilized, um, Jacques? had developed with um, some brilliant, absolutely brilliant engineers from Barcelona, um, had developed some really, really fascinating apps that answered that question, why aren't they being utilized? Um, among those apps, and these were all for iOS because at the time, um, that platform was um, a little bit more congenial for audio, for advanced audio uh, technology. Um, uh, one of those apps was a literally a an empirically valid uh, pure tone average hearing test. It uses two tones, a high tone, a pair of two tones, a high tone and a low tone, and then it goes. Um, then you respond when you hear those tones. Then it goes on to another pair of high tone of. Of, of high and low tones etc and creates a it um, created an audiogram that was nearly identical if not identical to my quote official audiogram and this was being done with an iphone with um, apple earbuds etc it was just Remarkable, um, and then the other thing, the other software that they created for the for the iPhone, the other app they created, was an app which took that audiogram or took an audiogram that you entered, a quote unquote um, professional um, audiogram, took a- either of these audiograms and. Um, generated a hearing fitting that was based on audiological hearing fittings like NAL NL2 and you could do you could then use your iPhone it literally when you use that app which was called Listen app you could use an i you could use the iPhone with a hearing loss compensation Fitting algorithm in order, to, um, in order to hear the world. And so I would take my hearing aids out when I would go to a restaurant. I would then put on the um, a regular set of earbud- Apple earbuds or, or, a, um, or a third-party set and simply hook up my phone, sometimes to a remote microphone, and I would be able to hear in places where I couldn't hear otherwise. And this is what attracted me to Jacotte's technology. And that's what's meant by the consumerization of audio. What's going on now, of course, is that the technology that, um, that, that the technology that was available only in a smartphone at the time, um, a lot of that digital signal processing, a lot of that capacity for amplification and for um, pickup by microphones can now be done literally at the ear level rather than simply on the phone connected, coupled to a device that's coupled to your ears. So now all that um, power, uh, not all that power, but a a significant subset of that power can be placed in can be placed literally into the ear, and that's that was the insight that Jacques had um, around 2016, 2017, to um, to create um, to create devices that could do all the hearing loss compensation that we were doing in the iPhone apps, but to do that at the ear level, and that's when I believe conversations with Uh, Qualcomm began.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating for a number of reasons. I mean, going back to what you said about the restaurant, um, the noisy restaurant, I find this really fascinating because, um, you know, back then, I think to your point, there were a number of advantages to um, a solution that was very smartphone centric. Um, Some of that now has begun to graduate, uh, I think, up to the ear, and it has a, it's, it's more or less the digital signal processing chips, the DSP chips that are capable of doing that. Um, But I think that what I, what I find really interesting about this whole thing is you had um, you know, Jacques and his team coming at this from the approach of uh, you know, they started at the app level, more or less, they started kind of with the software and they realized that there were gaps you know, in the market and gaps for the for the patients, more or less, um, in terms of how they use it. And so when you were back in those early years, 2014, and on, um, did you get the sense that this was going to be a precursor for, you know, the way in which uh, consumer devices in general would be able to kind of graduate toward it was you know, more or less, it was manifesting itself through an app and one day you thought, okay, this will probably, you know, be able to move into something that can be done all at the ear level. I'm just curious, like, those conversations that you were having back then, was that always the mindset was like, you almost had to kind of just bide your time as technology, um, like Moore's law more or less took effect so that you could, um, take advantage of those leaps in computing and in the microtization of the devices that, I mean, that's, was that the thought process that you had?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I'm, um, I, I think I think so, but I think the i think the conversations were more fluid. I think that both uh, Jacques and I and uh, Jacques has a far deeper understanding of the technology than I do. Um, but I think that what Jacques and I and the other people in the company felt from the beginning was that there was a different way to approach uh, hearing health technology solutions. Um, we felt um i felt from from the moment my credit card was first charged for a hearing aid, that uh, these devices were very, very expensive. And I was very puzzled as to why they necessarily had to be that expensive. Um, I've learned a lot since that original puzzlement, but I still believe that for many kinds of uh, situations and many kinds of hearing losses, um, that there, that, that, that there's a lot of um, different ways that these could be handled and if you start looking at it um, as we both know um, somewhere between um, 20 and um, 30 percent maximum of the people who need hearing aids actually get them and i think those and if you actually look around the world those figures are even lower and Both Jacques and I felt very strongly that hearing health technology should be accessible to everyone. And when you start thinking of the expense and also the um, considerable um, um, uh, amount of time it takes a consumer to simply be able to put something in his or her ear and amplify sound, it seemed to both both him and me independently, and then as we had conversations, that there was a different way to do this. And uh, so um, I don't know, um, I I always had in mind almost from 2000, from, from the moment I developed hearing loss, I always had in mind that there should be a class of devices that could be available over the counter for people with milder hearing issues and that some devices like that could be very very useful and could serve as a bridge for those people with progressive hearing loss mm-hmm. towards um, ultimately um, a more um, you know a, a, a more involved fine-tuned adjustment kind of experience. I always felt that that there wasn't a fine line between clinical hearing loss and simply, Situational problems in hearing. I felt that there was always room for amplification, live ampl- amplification products that could ultimately be customized and then customized further. And then ultimately, if um, if one is unfortunate enough to develop a clinical level of hearing loss, ultimate uh, of, of severe hearing loss, ultimately be you know completely curated by um, by a highly trained professional. So we batted around. You know many many ideas, and then Jacques had the had what I think is you know you know quite an extraordinary insight in which he said this has to be at the operating system level. This this has to be at the chip level. Mm. We need to really, um, if we are going to create truly create um, hearing technology that is accessible to everybody, we we need to we need to reach the chip level. And I believe that's when conversations with Qualcomm began.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. Like when you talk about the chip level, because I think that, you know, I think this is starting to become apparent. Um, I've been talking about this for a few years. It's like the significance of being that deeply integrated, it, it enables a level of standardization that you don't see elsewhere. And a perfect example of this is what we're seeing right now with active noise cancellation. Just about every new device. It's about a hundred dollars or more that's coming out in the market. They have active noise cancellation. And if you look, Almost all of them are powered by the Qualcomm QCC5100, and it wasn't long ago that Qualcomm announced that they were basically going to enable um, active noise cancellation for that type of chip. It was going to be like an add-on, Can, you know, kind of think of it like that. And so we're seeing the same thing now. And this is what's so exciting about this partnership is that you know we've been hearing about the OTC, um, you know, legislation, and you know, to your point, I'm in full agreement with you. I think that we. Need, we need an equivalent to cheaters in this industry, um, you know, in terms of like the parallel being cheaters in optometry, um, which I had a guest on the podcast not long ago, Dr. Kim Cavett. You mentioned that um, cheaters actually ended up growing the, the whole optometry market. You exposed more people to a solution. I think the same would be for this industry, if more, like you said, you know, you only have 20 to 30% of the people that should have hearing aids are getting them now. And it's probably lower than that. Um, So we need something that is at that introductory level. I'm a big, big proponent of that. And I think that what's so fascinating to me about this whole partnership is that we've been hearing about like, okay, OTC, OTC, we're going to have these new, this new classification of devices, but the whole you know, a uh, report came out during the Obama administration where he recommended it. So that was at least four years ago. And then we had everything happen since. So this has been an ongoing thing for at least five years and we still haven't had anything come into market yet. And lo and behold, you have the technology just sort of working itself out. I mean, this is what I find so fascinating about technology is that inevitably it will just work itself out. And, um, Because you have, just as you outlined, this progression where it was limited to the smartphone um, and the the processing capabilities that you were able to do there and then, you know, give it time and now it's being able to be handled actually on the device. So you have these in-the-ear devices that are now going to be able to support the type of hearing augmentation. And I think what's fascinating about this is it almost renders the whole OTC kind of conversation moot because Mm -hmm. you now suddenly just have these devices that are, you know, any hearing uh, in the ear device manufacturer, any OEM can, they can create something that has a basic rudimentary level of and honestly, I think it's going to be better than just like a rudimentary level. I think they'll be pretty good. And I think that you'll have some specialization. I mean, you have companies like a Hera, for example, where they're kind of doubling down in this space. And so they're going to have advanced um, an advanced test. And, and the sophistication of their um, you know algorithms and all that will be uh, probably head and shoulders above the rest. But regardless, it is a rising tide that's lifting all ships. And we are going to see, I think, in two to three years, just about every single device, uh, if the OEM so chooses, in the same way that they're all going to have active noise cancellation in the next few years, we're gonna see a lot of them coming to market with a level of like hearing amplification. And that's what's so exciting to me is that we move into a territory then where just about everything that you put in your ear can serve this purpose.
1: I I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um I, I think that I think that this is really um Uh, You know, this is the way it should be. I think there's, there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding, uh, in my opinion, of how um, OTC uh, hearing devices will actually be used. Um, I should say that um, I think of these things Entirely from the perspective of a user, because a I need the device, and b I think that is the only way that these devices will can be sold. Yeah. And um, when you think about it, um, with if you have somebody who has my level of hearing loss, which is um, uh, officially a moderate to moderate severe hearing loss, um, bordering on the severe, if you have somebody with my level of hearing loss, the recommendation from audiologists is quite rightly to to um, take your shower, put your hearing aids in, take them out if you go swimming, but otherwise leave them in until you go to bed at night. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a hundred percent the the, um, the way it should be. But now think about if you have a mild to moderate hearing loss. Yeah. Do, are you necessarily needing to have things in your ears the entire time? And the answer is often because I've had milder hearing losses um often no um mm-hmm. you don't need them in in your ear all the time um however um, in addition to that wh- you want, and many people today want a device they can stick in their ear for quote unquote lifestyle reasons in order to listen to music, to podcasts, mm-hmm. to take video calls. So, the hearing aid, quote unquote, functionality of these devices is one part of a larger feature set, which is primarily consumer. And the situational live ambience amplification portion of an over the counter hearing device, and I'll let me switch terminology and say an over-the-counter hearing aid mm-hmm. will be situational. It will be it will be um, used for only a few hours a day at most, and used only in specific places where you need where you're going to need it. So when you think about it that way, do you need a um, a six thousand dollar pair of hearing instruments? Do you even need a thousand dollar pair of hearing instruments for something that you're going to be using mostly for lifestyle? connectivity and yes. this is where this is where it goes if you have a multitasking device that's in your ears that um gives you the joy of music you say you have a mild um, mild hearing problems and you 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 um you have something that provides you the joy of music uh, gives you podcasts gives you um uh, audio books etc 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 and And then when you need it in a restaurant or maybe even at a business meeting or in a classroom, when you need a little bit of extra zets, you just flip on the hearing aid functionality or call it transparency mode or call it headphone accommodations. I don't care what you call it, but Mm -hmm. whatever you do call it, you just flip it on. Boom, you have that and then you turn it back off again and it goes back there. That's the consumerization of hearing technology an affordable multitasking device that's in your ears that that can help you in the situations that you need it. Suitable for mild to moderate hearing loss at most.
0: Wow! I mean, uh, for anybody that has been like a longtime listener or follower of my blog, knows that I've just been vigorously (laughs) nodding my head (laughs) because uh, this is like this is the thesis that I had when I started the whole blog and in the podcast um, was that, and I actually will take it a step further. I completely agree with you. I mean, I think that this is such an important point to understand is that the if If you start to view this in, through the lens of the, there are multiple use cases for these devices, like if it's a spectrum, um, some appeal to the lifestyle side and for them call it the mild loss or maybe no loss end of the market. And then obviously, you have the hearing aid functionality that applies toward the more severe. But I think what again is even a, another point to this is that when you, When you have 100 million pairs of AirPods out in circulation, it does two things. First of all, it normalizes the fact that people have things in their ears, right? So that's going to (laughs) kill stigma. I am an adamant believer that the way that stigma will actually eventually just die is that we're all going to walk around with things in and around our ears for extended periods of time. So that's the first thing. The second thing that it does is it encourages developers, designers, the whole app economy to start building applications for our ears. We're actually in the process of seeing this happen now in real time. Um, You just had an application called MarsBot from the company Foursquare just come out where it's basically you walk around, it's like audio AR and you just walk into the proximity of something and and you hear a audio clip that it's either a restaurant drop or somebody that reviewed the restaurant, whatever it might be. What, What we're seeing though is because you have this consumer side that's really burgeoning, it's lending itself to build more things to do with your ears and therefore more reasons to wear things in your ears for longer periods of time. And all of this sort of creates this virtuous cycle, these network effects more or less, for people to wear things in their ears for different reasons. And I think that's extremely important to point out when we are talking about uh, you know, a, a very prevalent problem with hearing loss that you can't get people to wear the solutions. And there are multiple reasons why you can't get them to wear it. They're too expensive, they're not accessible, there's a negative stigma associated with them. So what we're seeing, I really think, is through a combination of the, you know, these partnerships like Jacody and Qualcomm embedding this, it's going to Mm -hmm. take care of the accessibility issue. It's going to become just a whole lot easier to get something on the milder end. Um, And it's also creating more and more users, more or less, which are incentivizing for the people that build things, the software applications for our ears. And so actually the people on the moderate to severe end benefit from all this too. I mean, the huge boom in podcasting is a net benefit. I mean, if you're a hearing aid wearer and you're wearing hearing aids for 10 hours a day, you have the ability to seamlessly consume a podcast at any given point, And it's sort of invisible. That's really, really cool. But that wouldn't really exist if the only market for podcasters are hearing aid wearers, right? It's a large reason why there's so much incentive to create podcasts is because there's 100 million pairs of AirPods out there and all the other devices out there. It's this behavioral change. And so this is so interesting that you've sort of it sounds like you and jacques and, and others were kind of coming to the same realization that when this whole market grows from the mild end all the way up everybody benefits in a, in a certain way because so much of this is fluid across the whole spectrum like the exactly. way in which you use these devices whether it be the types of amplification i mean if you have somebody that has like You know, most hearing losses are progressive loss. So if you get into the door early on, say I'm 45 years old, and I, I'm not going to buy a hearing aid because I don't feel as if I have a problem that constitutes a hearing aid, I'm not on that end of the spectrum, but I want some of that functionality chances are I'm going to get in the door, I'm going to use something, I might then graduate into something, and then I might graduate into the point to where I want an audiologist, I want to like have a full hearing aid fitting, whatever that might look like, but it is a journey. And I think that enabling the, the mild to moderate end of the spectrum is massively important in so many different ways to the overall adoption of you know, hearing solutions and ultimately trying to solve how do we get more people to treat their hearing loss
1: yeah uh, David I think you're I think you're I think you're hundred percent right I think there's another piece of this which is very interesting and important to understand about it. the qualcomm uh, um, um, um situation as well which is that if you if you look at um, the the um, the way in which the majors quote unquote have approached hearing health and actually health um, uh, health technology in general in terms of its consumerization at the moment it's kind of like the wild wild west um you've got um Uh, You've got um, all sorts of different levels of um, verification and verifiability, and also all sorts of different levels of validity and robustness of data. for example, um, Samsung in its offerings uh, for, um, quote unquote, hearing health functionality, in addition to supporting made for Android hearing aids, uh, Samsung has a whole bunch of features like enhanced ambience and things like this, all of which um, and also um, a hearing test, a beep, uh, uh, a beep level hearing test. But there's no um, external, quote, science there, There's a lot of there's a lot of information in the consumer electronics audio space about, you know, tech, you know, about there's a lot of research on how to enhance audio in the consumer electronics, but it's not audiologically based. And it's likely that Samsung is using that plus a combination of audiology. Um, Apple, on the other hand, has a very different way of looking at it. It's more health-oriented in, in, the, in the more formal sense of it. Um, you can store audiograms in the health app, mm-hmm. for example. You can use those audiograms then um, to, um, a, as part of headphone accommodation with the AirPods Pro in mm-hmm. order to set personalization. So there's some integration of consumer uh, level um, hearing, um, compens- hearing um, Hearing enhancement and health, hearing health um, things. What's interesting about the Jacoti um, Qualcomm uh, collaboration is that Jacoti has a QMS level um, medical system. You know they've registered uh, ListenApp, the the iOS app, with the FDA as a medical hearing device. Okay. So, and what you have is um, audiograms that are empirically valid. So what you have with Jacodi and with Qualcomm is the opportunity, if a company wants it, and if a user wants it, to tap into valid data, you know, in order to track one's hearing, and also tap into what? Seventy years, eighty years of audiologic, of legacy audiological information on how um, how best to compensate for hearing problems. So this is a new level of of um, I, uh, formality might be more one word, but but seriousness I think is a more appropriate word. This is approaching hearing enhancement in a very serious way, so that there's a fine continuum between consumer level hearing enhancement and hearing hearing health, hearing loss compensation. And that's a really important component about this. In other words, hearing health technology is growing up. And this is, this is an example of it. Hearing yeah, health technology that. is growing up on a consumer platform, I should say. Obviously, it's very mature in professional medical platforms.
0: Well, no, I think you make a fantastic point there, though, which is that you know, you have this, uh, you know, more professional, medically oriented aspect to the consumer side that we haven't right. really quite seen. And I think that's really important. And uh, I love that you mentioned Apple in there too, because I think that, again, what I think this does, uh, what the net result of all of this is that you get more people to become aware of this right it's a giant mechanism to drive awareness and exposure and so airpods pro are a great example like i'm sure that future iterations if they see that you know a lot of these you know their big competitor like apple's the one you know outside of broadcom the uh, one chip manufacturer now, because they make all their own silicon, um, they, you know, with the H1 chip, I'm sure they're gonna be matching tit for tat with, um, with Qualcomm, you know, with right. a lot of the different features. And so we'll, I'm sure Apple will be just as prominent of a player in this space, um, but because of, I, I think like as consumers, we all benefit because like you said, by having a company like Jacody in the mix, and I love having your perspective here as a you know musician and somebody that comes from the pro audio space, so I think you can really speak to the legitimacy of the way that these you know the way in which these are actually working from like the processing level and the the sound output um, and the quality of it. Um, But I think that what's so exciting about this is that as these two compete um, and it becomes more top of mind in the public where you start to have people that say, I had no idea that I could upload an audiogram, like what's an audiogram? Oh, I have the ability to take this and I can then, you know, maybe this is where the audiologist comes into play is that they are a big driver toward, you know, hey, You're not ready for a hearing aid, but better yet, why don't we get you set up with an audiogram that you can upload into whatever sort of, you know, if you want to use AirPods or whatever it might be, but help you to get it into Apple Health. And then you start to have people aware that these things exist. They understand in the same way that if you have a uh, prescription lenses or contacts, like, you know, what your sort of diagnosis is, your, pre- your prescription is like, I think that that's a really important step that's lacking right now is a lot of people, a, aren't even aware that they have hearing loss and let alone what kind of hearing loss, because it's not as if it's just like, Oh, you have, um, you have a depreciation of, 25 decibels. Like it's a, it's a very complex thing that you have to, to understand of the type of loss that you have, which frequencies. Um, and so I just think that this is so exciting because you're going to, you know, as these types of features become sort of just like out of the box and you can enable them with one press of a button or you do a quick hearing test um, that's standardized because of these types of integrations at the chip level. I think the net benefit though is you just have more people that are now becoming aware of this and, and then they want to eventually graduate into more sophisticated solutions as time goes on. So um, in my opinion, this really is, it's, I don't know what the counter argument to this would be, um, especially given that you have like this responsible party, like a Jacody that it's not as if they're just coming in and they're layering on like this level of amplification. They're just turning up the dial and, you know, there's a lot of science that's going into this, a lot of thought that's going into this. And I think this is just a really, really positive thing for this whole industry, but more importantly, for the general population that clearly is suffering at a large level of hearing loss and they're just not really treating it at scale like they should be.
1: I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I wanted to go back to um, an earlier point that you made, which I think is really really, really important um, to understand, which is that um, which is this issue um that you mentioned of um, scale and of um ubiquitousness and of um of being able to um, lift all boats in other words the people who you know it's a little bit uh, like the way i think of um, gluten-free products right um yes. it, it, it's a really a very big um you know it's very very big with um gluten allergies that have come up and so there's a plethora of gluten gluten-free products around, and the people who benefit the most, of course, are the people with celiac disease, because now they can have 100%. a wider, wider thing, and it's exactly the same, um, it's exactly analogous to the situation with hearing. The people who will benefit most from the consumerization of hearing health, well, there are two people, two two cohorts that will benefit. First of all, those people who couldn't afford or couldn't find hearing health technology around the world, not just in the United States, but in Africa, in, um, in South America, in, um, in uh, on Native American reservations here, and, and other places where hearing health is almost completely um uh unknown uh, mm-hmm. so um those are the those are the first people who are going to benefit from this consumerization worldwide the other group that i think that's going to really seriously benefit from this are people with more severe hearing problems yes. why uh, I'll, I'll, why because of this um you're talking now not just about a single device you are talking about a single earworn device but you're talking about ubiquitous connectivity mm-hmm. to, device, okay. And now you're talking not about a hearing aid or a hearing or an assistive listening device, but you're talking about a hearing system. And the opportunity in the future to extend the functionality of an in-ear worn live amplification device by making um, remote microphones and networking of of collections of remote microphones together one can easily imagine using all of this to create systems for all sorts of extraordinary uses, both consumer uses and um, "quote unquote" medical uses. A consumer use might be to have fun at a bar, for example, with everybody with microphones, with their with their in-ear devices and microphones all spread spread out around the place, playing some sort of a game. But a consumer use is everybody sits down with an with a you know with an in-ear uh, over-the-counter hearing device. Um, sits down, puts their um, mobile phone on the table. Those microphones are all interconnected automatically on a friends network. And now you're talking about really serious, transformative, transformative hearing um, hearing assistance in a in a social environment that almost everybody I know, including myself, who has a hearing loss, struggles mightily with. So you're talking about you know, really, really major levels of improvement um, to um, uh, to the ability of people to hear and to function, and that means that a lot of us. Um, I mean, I have friends with very, very severe hearing problems, um, who can't afford um, very, you know, can't afford technology or don't have access to it for one reason, for one reason or another. But if you provide consumerization paths for mm-hmm. this, so the technology is affordable and interoperable, and that's another thing about the Qualcomm solution every you know it's cross-platform it right. will you know work with all sorts of other things if you're talking about interoperable um, uh, um cross-platform devices you're talking about the potential for a real transformative um moment in 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 the history of hearing health in my I, opinion
0: i couldn't agree more i mean the i love this whole thought process that you're laying out here around this consumerization right and like this idea where you have, um, you know, the consumerization side leads to better use cases for the medical side, like that analogy that exactly. you made with gluten and celiacs so that's so on point because you um, I'm thinking right now, like of the whole new Bluetooth LE audio, you know? So like what you mentioned there, you outlined this idea where I think you're so right, where you'll probably see like one of the features of that is, you know, for the listeners is that um, there's this whole single output of audio that um multiple pairs of devices can stream into so it's uh, like a broadcast ability so think about this again using your um example that you described at the bar um one example of this might be that you know everybody that has a pair of airpods in their pocket put them in and then you know you have this single source of audio this like remote microphone it might be some sort of game that you play at bars or whatever that might be right and so this becomes popular Again, it comes back to this idea that like suddenly the people that made the mobile ecosystem run, all of the developers come in and they start building applications around these kinds of things. Again, off of the off of the notion that you have 100 million plus people with AirPods walking around. So you have this huge market of people. But then lo and behold, you kind of have on the side, you have these hearing aid users that get to benefit from all these things too. And it might not just be these games. It might just be that I can stream at a table, um, you know, a remote microphone that I place. And let's say that we have two people with hearing aids, we just set one remote microphone, maybe it's just my phone in the middle of the table. And it's like a directional microphone that I can just turn on and I can turn the outside sound off and I can have a really pleasant conversation wearing my hearing aids. Like this is what's so exciting to me again is this consumerization side of things is it's going to drive so much innovation because it's incentivizing it's huge it's a huge market that the hearing aid market in isolation would never be able to incentivize the types of applications that are going to be developed from the consumer side of things and it's just i think a fascinating way to look at things is to look at through the lens of you're this secondary beneficiary that gets to take advantage of all of this innovation that's being built off of the back of like the consumer side of things exactly so there's There's a lot of, of that that's going on too, that I think is important.
1: I think I, I, exactly. I think the, I think the, I think the issue here is that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot that can be done through this consumerization and also through the through the opens through the issue of an open standard and essentially um, getting down to the chip level, which again was Jacques insight um, and a brilliant one, I think, mm-hmm. um, enables us to um, create um, all sorts of all sorts of opportunities for um, different devices from different manufacturers to play well together. And again, um, again, to use an analogy. Um, that that I that I often use what, comes from my um from my background in music. In 1982 and 1983, um up until around then, uh you had um fairly flat sales on synthesizers. They were growing in the music industry. They were growing at a at a you know, at a reasonable clip, but nothing really to write home about. And they were basically a niche player within the larger music music industry. Synthesizers were not that big a deal. Pianos, um, uh, uh, guitars, trombones, etc. They were the big players. And then somebody got the bright idea to create an industry standard protocol that would enable you to hook up one synthesizer and have it play another. And this was hmm. called MIDI, the Musical Instrument Digital Interface. Nobody thought very much about it, I think they thought it was kind of a cool idea. Mm-hmm. But what happened was that everybody realized, my God, you can cre- you can hook not one synthesizer up, I can hook up 16 mm-hmm. and I can put a computer in the middle and then suddenly I can start to create um, all this music from it. So from this one simple, ubiquitous standard, from this from a standard, a protocol that enabled you to connect third-party devices together simply and seamlessly, um, what you were able to do was to create completely new industries, completely new economies of scale, completely completely new ways of making music. And now every single thing that I learned about making music up until nineteen eighty three, is obsolete. There is not a single thing that I do on a day-to-day basis that almost all composers do that hasn't been transformed by MIDI. And my personal feeling is that in a general way, the -the over-the-counter, Um, um, market for hearing devices will do something very similar. Mm -hmm. You're going to have standardization, you're going to have interoperability of devices, you're going to have new devices that nobody could have even thought of. You're going to be seeing the leveraging of academic um, uh, signal processing technologies um, develop extremely rapidly, like blind source separation, and similar kinds of AI and uh, machine learning based algorithms. You're going to see a um, active noise canceling probably morph into something far more sophisticated than simply getting rid of a little bit of background background noise uh, air conditioners and things like that or mm-hmm. airplane noise this is what this means it means that a an industry that's a few billion dollars you know is now suddenly tapped into an industry that's worth over 500 billion dollars right <laughs> and and the the transformation and the opportunities for everybody not just for me as a user but for companies um to um to grow is just in my opinion extraordinary and the real cri- and everybody five years from now will be asking themselves the same question why didn't we do this 15 years ago yeah why didn't we do this you know i mean it's just it, it's absurd that that we don't have in, that interconnectivity um, is still a problem with um, assistive listening devices and hearing aids. It's absurd that wireless connectivity to mobile devices is a is an optional feature and not a standard part of a hearing aid um, and cochlear implant. Um, these things will these things will all become common. Not not merely common; they're already common. They'll become standard. Yes no no doubt about it in my mind.
0: Yeah no that's so well said. I I I just think that this whole idea of standardization you're right it's uh I always go back to this quote too that um the Spotify CEO Daniel Ek said he said uh you know he was talking about like the valuation of Spotify and and audio in general and he lays out you know in this he kind of issues this preamble talking about the value of video, the value of text. And and basically he comes to the conclusion, he's like, are our eyes really worth 10 times more than our ears? And that's such an interesting way to think about, um, you know, in an, in an attention economy like we have today, where everything is so based around where's your attention fixated. Um, it does seem like our ears are sort of under undervalued and underserved. And I think that, again, going off of this whole notion of like, taking advantage of the consumer side and um, the ubiquity that I think we're going to see with in-the-ear devices and over-the-ear devices and all these kind of different ear devices, you look at a lot of these other external trends. Microphones are getting way cheaper and way smaller and way more powerful. Speakers are getting, you know, it's like, all of the little components that go inside of these devices are becoming more and more miniaturized. A lot of the sensors, the machine learning algorithms, the data science that resides behind it to make sense of all this coming so much more sophisticated edge computings going to be right on the horizon where we're going to be able to process a lot of this stuff on device that's a big reason why we're able to do what uh, this Jacoti partnership is laid out is because the exactly. system on a chip that qualcomm's developed is so sophisticated we're going to just keep seeing more and more iterations of this so it certainly does feel a bit inevitable that we're going to just continue to see more um more possibilities unlocked around how these things can work in tandem um, in an ambient computing environment, you know, like where do these things come in? I think they're gonna constantly be sinking in and out. And again, like, I think that from like an industry perspective and just for a patient perspective is to look at that and say like, you know, again, if, if, if these things are going to come to fruition, there's just more and more incentive I think, ultimately, to wear these kinds of devices because you're going to be able to do just so much more with them in the same way that your phone progressed over the last 10 years in terms of you're able to almost do anything with your phone today, um, at least in terms of what you can do with the computer. I mean, you can do everything with the phone, if not a lot more. Um, I think we're going to see a very similar trajectory with in the ear devices. and again. I just continue to think that that's going to open the door to so many new use cases that they might have a facade that is consumer facing, but there will be portions of them that are extremely applicable to medical applications that are going to cater really nicely to folks with mild, moderate, severe, profound, whatever type of hearing loss. We're all going to benefit from these things because it's, again, it is that rising tide that lifts all ships. There will be a level of standardization, like you said, um, that will I think just gradually rise higher and higher in terms of what anybody can get sort of out of the box.
1: Yeah, I think I think I think you're absolutely right. I think the I think the main I think the main thing here is that um, that there's there's a lot of concern. I know in the audiology industry and in the hearing and in, in the hearing. Um, uh, uh, hearing aid industry, that this is going to um, eat into sales. Um, my personal feeling is that there were definitely going to be changes and yes. definitely going to be things that, that are going to be different. But I strongly feel that if we can have people understand that their lives, that people without quote unquote hearing loss, clinical levels of hearing loss. Uh, if we can have people understand that their lives can be improved simply by able to put something in their ear and hear a little bit better in a lecture, a little bit better at a, a business meeting, a little bit better at a restaurant. If we can get if we can get that and that's the potential of this technology, then then there's nothing but growth. There's nothing but growth there, and I'm pretty darn sure we can do that because there's data that supports um, the fact that if you eliminate, um, if you create a better signal-to-noise ratio, for example, um, in um, in a lecture hall, the people who the people who are who have access to that better signal-to-noise ratio understand better, and retain more information. So why wouldn't a student, if she had access to technology that could clean up the sound and amplify it, why wouldn't she use that if she wanted to get ahead in a lecture? Of course she would. And so the more people understand this, the more people will adopt this technology, the more these devices are visible, the more opportunity um, and already everybody's used to people running around with things stuck in their ears. So it's not that big a deal anymore. Mm-hmm. But now that the devices are visible, that means there's more room for um, uh, manufacturers to create more interesting, quote unquote, i.e. more powerful kinds of devices. And this is just the most exciting thing. This is what I was thinking about in 2010, 2011. This is why when Jacques had been thinking about this, by you know and in his own much more sophisticated way at around the same time and when i met him in 2014 it was literally like we were finishing each other's sentences (laughs) you know it was just it was it was like oh finally somebody gets it yeah (laughs) and it was really exciting i didn't know you but i had i'm sure we would have had that conversation back then too
0: yeah, no, um, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, I just—it's uh, been a great conversation, and and I completely agree with you. I mean, um, I've had multiple conversations on the podcast before where we've talked about, you know, what this means, what these types of—I—I I, I think you're right. Like, I think it's going to be a catalyst for change. I think this is going to be a, a very tumultuous time in terms of the service model. I think is going to change a lot. Um, the the revenue generation models are going to change a lot, but I think that the point remains is that um, I always go back to this quote and it's like, you know, hearing professionals lamenting the dwindling cost of the, you know, device should also therefore recognize the increasing value of their knowledge and their provision of expertise. And that's so spot on. It's like, yeah, like you're probably going to see the margins of the devices get slashed inevitably because Uh, you're going to just see more and more, you know, entrance into the market. And there's going to be a lot of uh, external, you know, pressure on the top that's just going to push itself down. But because you're going to have this, you're going to see this massive expansion in the market. And so I think that Those that will succeed from the professional side of things will be those that are willing to adapt to this. And it's going to require a rethink in terms of how do you service potentially 10 times more of the patients that you had seen before? You have to readjust the whole, you have to recalibrate the whole way that you deliver service. But that's not to say that it's like impossible to do. In fact, it might be a really good thing, you know, in terms of how you can go about repositioning everything and repositioning your whole value proposition. So it's not very device oriented. It's more service oriented. So I'm very of the mind that there's going to be a lot of folks that figure this out that succeed and do really well, because there's not going to be any shortage of people that I think will want experts. I think that there are going to be a lot of people that will be able to take things right out of the box, and there will be a do it yourself element, you'll be able to self program certain things, you know, to a degree. Um, But I think at a certain point, it does, it does become a thing where the opportunity for the professional is in all the hearing aid manufacturers is like, you know, you have this more sophisticated solution, but you have to make people aware that like, this is a journey. And so I think this is like where the whole rubber will meet the road is figuring out where do you fit into this process? And at at what point can you sort of insert yourself into the conversation so that it makes sense from a revenue standpoint, you're not just spinning your wheels over um, a subset of patients that aren't quite ready for you yet, um, but also finding that happy medium to where you do make that introduction and you establish that relationship so that when they are ready to buy something maybe more sophisticated, Or maybe they just want to consult with you and they want you to help guide them through this lifelong process that is their hearing loss to help match them to their solutions i mean so much of what we talked about today um, a common denominator is complexity I, i think that there's so much complexity that is going to enter the market in terms of this solution does this and this solution does that i mean your eyes can go crossed and so by being an expert in all these different things and helping people to, you know, really make it digestible for them to understand like, okay, here's where I am. Here's some options that match what I need, and we'll monitor my progress. And, and this will be, you know, the expert that I have throughout my life to help guide me along this journey. So, that's just a really long winded way of me saying that I think there's a lot of opportunity, but it will all probably be very, very much centered around how willing are you to change? And uh, I think those that are willing to change are going to do really, really well in the coming years, because I think it's going to lend itself to people that have these types of really, really knowledgeable backgrounds in the physiology and the, in the actual science of all this um, that can lend their expertise to you know any type of patient that is wherever they are on their journey.
1: Yeah, I think I think I think um, it's it's true. I think that people will will need. I think that audiologists and uh, uh, here uh, people that um, people that work with people with hearing loss are going to need are going to need to change. Um, this is um, all I can say is that um, as I mentioned, everything that I learned. Back when I began my career in music has changed. We all go through this. Every yes. single person goes through it. I'm again. Um, I just want to re- reiterate the respect I have for audiologists and their Same. their knowledge and their passion and their commitment to patients is is you know with you know I I'm second to none in this. I think that they do you know the audiologists I've worked with have have to a person been been wonderful and dedicated to helping me. I this is not about removing the audiologist no, from the equation. This is about providing more opportunities for um, people to hear better and that provides, in my opinion, um, experts, um, an opportunity to help those people hear better, and I think that I think this is the the, the ultimate win-win for those of us with hearing loss. Um, I just very very couldn't be more excited about it. Yeah. And again, you know, just to once again say it, I think that Jacodies and Qualcomm's collaboration is an example of. The hearing health part of this growing up that it's no longer that they're they're doing it in a very serious way in a responsible way and i think that that's an that's an indication that this part of the consumerization of health the 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 consumerization of hearing health is growing up and doing things properly
0: richard that was awesome so well said i man, this was such a great conversation. I enjoyed it. Uh, shout out to Sherry. Thank you so much for connecting Richard and I, um, you know, this was the first time that we'd spoke and lo and behold, you and I are like kindred spirits. I feel like we see so eye to eye with all this and, um, just such an awesome conversation. I, I share your enthusiasm too. So it's going to be really interesting to watch this all pan out. Um, you know, I'll follow in the show notes of this. I will uh, provide all the links for the formal announcements around these, uh, this partnership between Qualcomm and Jacody so that those of you that are listening can um, read more into it. Uh, but thank you, Richard, for joining me this week. Thanks for everybody who tuned in here to the end, and we will chat with you next time. Cheers.